Good morning, family. Good to see all you guys here. It is good to worship the Lord together. I don't know about you guys, but worship brings things into perspective, doesn't it? God's good at being faithful, and he promises us a peace, his peace. The world won't get it, but as his kids, there's nothing like it. Um, We're going to look at the last church that we find in Revelation 2 and 3 this morning, the church of Laodicea. So you can put a finger or a bookmark in chapter 3 there in Revelation. But I also want to look at Matthew chapter uh, 24 together. So you guys can turn to Matthew 24. It's something I want to hit on real quick. Um, I'm trying to get my slides up for you guys. There we go. I think it's working. Nice. Well, let's go back. All right. <laughs> We're going to get on to the lukewarm church this morning. Um, <laughs> this isn't the lukewarm we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. But you guys know I enjoy Star Wars. It's all good. Uh, oh, Matthew 24. Um, you guys there? I just want to share just two verses uh, from the Olivet Discourse here. This is something that the disciples had some questions, and I think there are a lot of people who are asking some questions right now who are followers of Jesus. Hey, what's going on? Is this last day stuff? And I love uh, what Jesus tells us here in verse 6. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars. And we got more wars going on in the world right now than there ever has been in history. And then he tells us here, see that you are not troubled. I'd like you guys to under, underline that in your Bibles. See that you are not troubled. Who is, who is he speaking to? His disciples, believers, followers of Jesus, right? See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines pestilences and earthquakes in various places and all these things are the beginning of sorrows so these things are going to happen guys there's going to be viruses we see the famine in the world i mean people starved to death this last day that's a reality people died in war this last day that's a reality there were many 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 earthquakes in the last day around the world These things are happening. They're intensifying. Pestilence in our own backyard going on. These things are going to happen. But brother and sister, don't let your heart be troubled. Jesus told us these things so our hearts wouldn't be troubled. We as people of faith, we shouldn't be tripping when the world's tripping. We have much. We have a perfect Savior who loves us perfectly and love casts out fear. That's what I've read somewhere. Have you guys read that? right? Um, not that we are to be ignorant, okay? Don't, don't ignore what's going on. We need to use wisdom, but we don't panic. There's no reason to panic. Man, if I catch something and die, throw a party, man. <laughs> Honestly, okay? You guys might be wondering why I got a roll of toilet paper up here. Um, I thought just in light of things going on, we could do a church auction this morning. I know this... <laughs> It's, it's like gold, okay? Um, I actually have it up here this morning because 
I'm called to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what matters. That's what you and I need. That's what this world needs. They need to hear about Jesus. There's enough stuff going on about this coronavirus. And I don't know what to believe, to be honest with you guys. Okay, I have a hard time watching the news. I have for a lot of years. A lot of it's false. It's untrue. Like, where do I actually get facts? I turn on the news. One guy's saying, well, it is not a big deal. We're blowing it out of proportion. I turn on the news. It's the end of the world. Everybody panic. Grab Why toilet paper? How about food? We can figure out why put our own butts with something, you know? It's actually, uh, that's how ridiculous we get. Um, So this is up here. We're preaching Jesus. And that's one thing I've been loving as we've been considering these letters to the churches. Isn't the book of Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ? It's all about him. And that's what I love as we've been looking at these different letters that he gave to these different churches in Asia Minor. It all comes back to him. He is key. And that's what the world needs right now. We have a lot of people who are so lost, so confused, who are panicking, who are worrying. And they worry about what? I might catch something. And if I do, there's a very small chance, but I could die even from it. And that's scary. What's scary, guys, is there's 150,000 people that will die today, and most of them don't know Jesus Christ. And they're worried about getting sick? How about eternity forever in hell? Flames of fire, that is a reality. And here we're worried about what? Guys, there are people, many, broad is the way that leads to destruction. A lot of people dying today. Sin is the issue. And the Savior is the remedy, guys. That's why the gospel is so good. That's why we have hope. That's why we get to share with the world. And that is the hope that Jesus is writing today to this church in Laodicea. So let's take a read through here. We're going to pick it up in verse 14 of Revelation 3. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I got to pause already. Did you guys catch something there? We've, We've gone through six other churches already. This is the seventh letter. Do you guys catch something? Look at the other intros. They're all to the different churches, to Ephesus, to Sardis, to Smyrna, these different churches that are where? In the church in these cities. Did you guys catch what Laodicea said here? To the angel of? Have you guys ever caught that before? Why are all these other churches in these cities? And why, and I want you guys to keep that in mind as we consider this last church, why are they of Laodicea? Aren't we the church? All believers, we're the church. I've told you guys this before, and you've seen this on Facebook. Okay, We refer to our fellowship, our church is Freedom Fellowship. And we'll post online, Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana. Okay, This is not our home. If you are a Christian, born again in the Spirit of God, okay, we're not of this world anymore. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are the church in Kakana, not of Kakana. Okay, we are set apart. Does that make sense to you guys? So think about that as we read through this letter. 
These things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Again, this is who writing? This is Jesus' letter to this church. And because, verse 17, you say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, I have need of nothing, and do not know, or do you not know that you're wretched, that you're miserable, that you're poor, that you're blind, and that you are naked? I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So, you guys see the map up here. And we've gone around and we've looked at a little bit of history of each one of these churches, the uniqueness of them, why Jesus said the things he said to each and every one of them. And I just want to recall briefly, guys, just how important it is that we hear what the Spirit is saying to the church as, to all of them. If you recall Ephesus, guys, they were called to have a love for Jesus. You guys have a love for me. Not just busy work, but genuinely love me. And then Smyrna, we saw that there was a willingness there to suffer for Jesus. Okay? No compromising with them. We're going to stand our ground. We're going to keep the faith no matter what they say. Because they might say, Church, you don't gather together. No. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. Continue to gather together to study the scriptures and go out and proclaim the good news. No compromising there. And then there was Pergamum. They were discerning doctrine. What is true? And aren't we called to test all spirits? Absolutely. Aren't we called to study to show ourselves approved to God? A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. These guys were doing it there in Pergamum. Okay, truth in the face of error. They were doing that. And the Lord said to Thyatira, Hey, holiness in the church. I'm holy. You be holy too. Right? Righteousness amidst an evil world. Okay? Righteousness. And then Philadelphia, or sorry, we had Sardis before Philadelphia. They spoke to that inward reality. It wasn't an outward show. Okay, Look at what we're doing. <laughs> What's the inward reality? And then Philadelphia, we spoke last, year, or last week about their uh, evangelical opportunity to be missionaries, right? To go and to share. And then this morning, the Laodicean church they needed a, really a need for a wholehearted commitment. 
And I look at these seven churches, and I hope you guys have been seeing the holistic picture of the church, how all these things are very important for you and I as believers and for our church family here. We need to get these things. And that's why we've taken the time over the last couple of months to consider these churches. We need to remember. And if you are maturing in Christ, you're probably a lot like me. You don't think you have it all together. You know that there is much more that God has you want to keep learning. You've learned humility. It's not, I have it, I get it, I'm right. No, I need to be reminded because I know life. I know my enemy. I know what the truth does in me as a believer. And I continually want to be sanctified more and more and more because he's worthy. He's worthy. It's for him. It's not about me and me being right. No, it's about him. He's right. He is worthy. He is holy. So, let's consider Laodicea for a moment together. Um, they were known for their big banks. Lots of money. Beautiful black clothing. Okay, that's beautiful. If you were rich, you had very nice black clothing on. They had a lot of medical advances. They were going to the Laodiceans. Um, the eye salve that we read about, that was something that they were known for uh, to help healing of the eyes these different things. But I want to take a look once again at verse 15. So if you guys jump there with me again, Jesus is saying, I know your works. Again, he knows. Can't hide nothing from Jesus. That you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What a picture. Really? Baby Jesus is going to puke? <laughs> no! This is Jesus chapter 1. Double-edged sword coming out gnarly, right? Awesome! I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So this passage, I've heard taught often. It's often misunderstood when people read it and <laughs> study through it. If we go back, we understand over there uh, that there was in Heropolis, a city nearby, they were, they were rich, minerally speaking. They had these hot springs. Have you guys ever take a dip in a hot spring? They're awesome. Okay, like God so blessed Bible college. I didn't want to go to Bible college. I was doing ministry. I was teaching five studies a week. I'm like, Lord, why would you have me go? Like there's ministry happening. And the Lord spoke to me and said, son, you will do more for me if you go. But I'm just going to sit and learn your word. You know, yes, son. I want you to go and just sit on your butt, sit at my feet, learn from me. I know what I'm talking about. And it was hard. I wept a lot in that decision to go. But it was so good. And when I went to Bible, I really suffered while I was at Bible college too. It was in Marietta and they called it the hot springs. We had literally probably a dozen hot tub, hot natural hot springs there in Southern California. Real rough, you know, studying all day, Lord, suffering for Jesus. And then how oh, I'll go jump in the hot tub tonight, you know, do my homework in a hot tub, you know, anyways. <laughs> but it was cool because one thing we do know about hot tubs, it can help us relax loosen up the muscles after a hard day of work medically it's a good thing for some people and then we know that there was another city nearby we've read the letter that paul wrote to the colossians right did you guys know the Colossi was actually there in asia minor very nearby also it wasn't just seven churches there in modern day turkey that jesus was addressing there were multiple other churches 
groups of believers. And Colossae was nearby, and that's where they would go to get refreshing cold water. Okay, and I don't know about you guys, but I love cold water. I took my son Uriah this weekend. We had a father-son getaway. He turned 12 this last week, and we had a great time together. But we, uh, we hiked back into the woods, okay, snow up to our knees in spots, you know, and we spent the night stoking the fire all night long so we'd be warm and stuff. And we got back to the car, and Uriah was so excited because we had both forgotten to take our water bottles with. So we took some snow and put it in a cup and melted it in so we had water. But anyways, he was so excited. He's like, Dad, I love when the water's cold. Don't we all love cold water? And that's what Colossi was known for. Man, a cup of cold water. How refreshing. But during that day, in that time, they had ways where they would stream the waters there to Laodicea. They had the money to get it done. So they had the hot springs coming into town, and they had from Colossae that cold, refreshing water come into town. But the problem was, guys, you want to guess what it was like by the time it actually made it to the city? Lukewarm! Worst thing in the world, isn't it? How many of you guys drink coffee? then you know what I'm talking about. Isn't a cup of lukewarm coffee the worst thing in the entire world? I love coffee. Hot or cold. Any of it. I'll drink it. I just love coffee. But a cup of lukewarm coffee, it is so gross. It is so, I think, praise the Lord for microwaves. You know? (laughs) Anyways, you want to spit it out of your mouth. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. You're lukewarm. And they understood this there in Laodicea. They understood what Jesus was talking about. Not useful, no healing, hot, not refreshing, cold. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, so what does it mean? What does it mean? There's a lot of imagery that comes around this. What it does mean to be hot and cold, the point is not lukewarm. That's the point here. Don't be lukewarm. What does that mean? Well, it means to be complacent, okay, passive, idle, shallow, self satisfied superficially settled. I don't like judging people, but we're called to judge people in Scripture. Do you guys know that? Look at here, it says judge not. Read the rest of the chapter. Jesus goes on. We should be expecting fruit in other people who profess to be Christ or or Christian. We should be Christ-like. We should be growing and changing. There should be fruit that is coming forth. And as a pastor, I'll tell you guys, I judge a lot. I judge you a lot. Why? Because I love you and I pray for you. And if there's things in your life that you're lacking, that you haven't entered into the fullness of what God has for you, do you think your pastor's heart desires those things for you? Absolutely. And if I'm not discerning what's going on, I'm not going to know how to pray for you. I'm not going to know what is needed in preaching and teaching you. I carry a heavy conviction. I want to see the church equipped, built up. Okay, We've got enough things in this world that's tearing us down. The church is a place for us to be built up. But I don't want to waste time building into an area maybe we're already good in. I'd rather go to those areas that we're struggling in and build up those. And that's one thing I love about teaching the scriptures verse by verse. 
because I feel like the Holy Spirit has given us a real good balance that just as we go through the Word of God, He is naturally addressing all those different areas in our life. I've seen that in the study of these seven churches, just as we're taking our time going through every verse. Yep, need that too. In that, this is really good. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we've been built up. I see a stirring, and I'm hearing from you guys. There's a lot of testimony that has come out of our study of this. God is doing a good thing here. And we should not be in a place where we find ourselves complacent. Oh, I'm good. I believe. I'm all set. No, we should be growing. Aren't we called to be growing in the grace of our Lord? In the knowledge of who he is? Absolutely, guys. And there's so much more. I'm excited. I'm excited the season of life I'm in. I feel like I'm growing more than I ever have before. It's exciting. So, we consider these guys. They were wealthy. They were self-sufficient. Sound like anybody you guys know? I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Okay, because I'm pretty poor. It's paycheck to paycheck. We're struggling. I actually have some credit card debt. If you actually knew you know, how well I steward things, you would be doing a series on stewardship. You know? Guys, big picture reality. The poorest of you here this morning or watching online, okay? You're richer. You are more well-off than most of the people upon this planet. That is just reality. We are so blessed. If you own a television, you're in the top five richest people, percent, five percent richest people in the world, guys. A little perspective. So, they were wealthy. They were self-sufficient. Okay, aren't we told that? Taught that? You can do it. You can do it. You can do anything you want. Well-dressed and successful. Fashionists, physicians, they had it all there. You know, and aren't we blessed? Okay, we don't really need to panic a whole lot. We got good medicine here in the West, especially in America. We have a lot of doctors, a lot of physicians. Okay, a lot of medicine. We'll be okay. We're all good. And the problem was, it's not wrong to have these things or be blessed with these things. It's not wrong, guys. But when we take pride in those things, that that's my hope, I'm all good, it's okay because of these things, that's when the danger comes in. And that's where the Laodiceans had found themselves. Look at verse 17. Because I say I'm rich, I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. I do not know, or do you not know that you are wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked? I counsel you to buy from me, Jesus says, gold that's refined in the fire, that you may be rich, in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. So Jesus here is using common points of reference to teach them spiritual truths. That's what he wants to teach you and I this morning. There's a lot of self-help books out there. A lot of motivational speakers that travel around to help you live well, to be successful. But spiritually, people are very blind, aren't they? They're looking to the temporal. 
the here and now. Their goals, their hopes are all tied into their success and what they can accomplish. What did Jesus tell us? If we gain the whole world, what is that? What if we get it all and lose our soul? Man. And the reason we're blind, it's because Satan has blinded those who don't believe to the gospel. At least the light of the gospel would shine upon them and they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's a spiritual war going on and most people are clueless. We get caught up into so many different things, right? I'm really worried about wiping my butt. <laughs> That's, I, am, I will take hours and stand in a line to make sure I get to wipe my butt. You're going to hell. You're in sin. You do not have a Savior who has forgiven you. Do you think that's a little more important? I do, guys. But the world doesn't care. Their problem here is Jesus points out these things to them, these spiritual truths that he wants to teach them. Verse 17, he talks about them being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They were unaware of their true condition before God. Totally clueless. I talk to people all the time. I'm all good. Oh, you want to talk to me about spiritual things, about eternity? Yeah, I'm good. Can't wait. I'm going to heaven too. Do you guys know that? Most Americans believe in heaven. And out of most of those who believe in a literal heaven, a better place, most of them believe they're going there too. Wow. How are you going to get there? I don't know. Ask them. I mean, that's one of the easiest ways to get into a spiritual conversation with somebody. Do you think you're getting to heaven when you die? Simple question. And then you can really have dialogue. How do you know that? A lot of them don't know because they don't want to think about it. They haven't thought it through. They haven't reasoned through it. They haven't sought truth. They haven't asked God. Because if you do seek God, what does God promise to do? I'll show you. You'll find me. But people aren't seeking after that. What are they seeking after? Things of this life. So because of self-sufficiency and affluence, these guys were spiritually blind. The wealth of their culture did not and could not meet their deepest needs. And we have a whole society of people who are looking to meet that need. It's got to be the next new thing. Another new thing. I need to be entertained, not stop. When is my next favorite movie coming out? Oh man, the NBA canceled? Okay, Aren't we in the middle of March sadness? I mean madness. Okay, <laughs> My world is ruined. This is my favorite time of year. Now what do I do? Hopefully think. Maybe you're finally in a place where all the distractions are gone. We need to be quarantined. We actually have to spend time together as a family. Maybe we'll actually think about what matters in this life. Oh! Maybe God is a part of that. Go figure. Aren't we his creation? 
Haven't we been created for his glory? Isn't that what life's really about? No, it's about my glory. It's about me, what I want. No, it's not. Stop. Be reasonable. Be logical. Think for once in your life. You are not God. There is one God. And there's one way to him. And it's Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You see, guys, our deepest needs are only met in Christ. And he knows that. And he's trying to communicate this to the church in Laodicea. Their needs were deeper than their resources. Okay? And what they could handle and do. They were not physical or economic, but they were spiritual. That's what he's opening their eyes to. That's what we are doing here this morning. Okay? Some of you guys ask, why don't we do a series on budgeting? Okay? I heard of a really good book. Why can't we walk through that book? Because I want my best life right now. Okay? God wants me to be happy and have all this stuff right now. Thank you, brother. <laughs> Stop encouraging me, Bruce. <laughs> so the, the reality here is their abundant and physical economic resources, they were dulled. Okay, they dulled their need for a Savior. They dulled their need for Jesus, for God. That's what they were doing. Can we be honest? Do we see that going on in our society? I mean, the Laodiceans had a lot. God, we're, guys, we're the most prosperous prosperity, prosperous, there we go, people in history. Okay, I look at the medical advances we have today, and people are living a long time, you know? I mean, cancer was a death sentence. Now people get cancer, and it's just like, wow, if they caught it early enough, they're probably going to be able to take care of it. There's a lot of advances. It's crazy. Do you think maybe we might have the same problem the Laodiceans were having? We don't need you, God. We got it taken care of. Wow. Verse 17, wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You have everything and yet you have nothing. Be rich, but you're actually poor. Okay? We're the wealthiest nation in the world. Do you guys know that we're the most depressed nation in the world? Is wealth really the answer? If we have it so darn good, why are we handing out more pharmaceutical mental health drugs than any other country in the world? It's crazy. Why are we so depressed if we have it so darn good? Most psychologists and psychiatrists you know, in the world, we have more than any other right here in the United States. And if money makes us happen, happy, why are Americans so unhappy? More is not what we need. Jesus Christ is what we need. But we don't allow him here. Oh, you're a faith-based organization. Oh, you can bring whatever book you want, just not your Bible. Wow. Really? Or am I just seeing this? Do you guys see that we're pushing God out of this country? We want to take, take God of our, our Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, how ridiculous is that? Just godless people. Because if we do recognize him, then we'll have to deal with him. And then if we have to actually deal with the reality of God, 
then I'm going to have to be responsible for something. And that means I can't sit on my own throne, be my own God anymore. I can't live in my sin because I know God's going to call me to repentance, to live a holy life, to be set apart. The world knows that, guys. That's why they want nothing to do with Jesus. It's going to cost them something. And I don't want to pay nothing. And think of the stuff we do waste our money on. It's ridiculous. So, (laughs) Jesus is calling them to recognize their deep need. Okay? That they would cease from being lukewarm. Did you guys catch that he says, I counsel or I advise you? Okay? One of the translations, he either uses those two words, counsel or advise you, to buy from who? From me. To buy from me. So the emphasis is not on the buy, but it's from me. That's the point. Not commerce, but communion. That's what God wants. You come to me, you will find life. Okay? You will have everything that your soul needs to be satisfied. Isaiah 55. Ho! You guys ever read that chapter? It starts with a ho! I love that chapter. But God goes on to say, hey, why are you guys wasting your money for what is not bread, for what doesn't satisfy? You come to buy from me freely. Come and buy, and your soul shall be satisfied. Okay? So the emphasis is not on the buy, but it's coming to him to have communion with him. Did you guys see that it says here that we can come and buy gold refined in the fire? What? I can have a treasury? I can be like Scrooge McDuck. You guys ever watched DuckTales growing up? <laughs> Though he'd like dive and start swimming in his gold, you know? And that's what we think it is. Gaining wealth. Riches in this life. God doesn't want you to be rich. Okay, you guys can bring a few scriptures to me and twist them out of context. That's beautiful. Rightly divide the word. If you are rich, what are we told to do with it? Be about gospel business. Help those who are in need with it. Great if you're blessed with riches. But most of us are not going to be rich. But God wants us to be rich in him. That's the riches he's talking about here. To be rich in Christ. Man, I'm willing to work off my butt and put over in the overtime so I can get that toy or that new house, that thing. Man, how much effort do we exhaust in time? Sacrifice will we make for stuff? Do we put that type of time and effort into the things of Christ? Seeking Him, to know Him, to receive from Him. These are spiritual things, guys. So the abundant life, it's in Him. Didn't Jesus say, I came to give you life and life abundantly? John 10.10. And then white garments. What's that about? Didn't I mention before they were known for their black clothing? Okay, And isn't black in? I got to do some schooling over in Europe and I got to travel all over Europe and stuff. But the school was in Austria. And I loved the way they dressed. Everybody looked super sharp, but they all wore very dark black clothing all the time. 
It's just like, hey, you guys all look pretty sharp, pretty awesome, you know? Oh, you must be really rich. Look at all your black, you know? Anyways, Jesus says here, hey, white garments is what you need. Why? Because I alone can cover your sin and your shame. White garments. I love it. I was super blessed when we were in Israel to go to the Jordan River and do some baptisms there. That was super cool for me. And what's really cool is, do I have this in here? They made us put on these white garments, these robes. And I'm just like, hey, this is kind of cool because I understood what that means biblically, what that represents. And I'm kind of going to push for us to start actually wearing white robes when we do baptisms. Not out of some crazy tradition or become ritualistic, but we want to remember, wow, Christ has forgiven me. I'm white as snow. Though my sins were scarlet, I'm white as snow. Because of the blood of the Lamb, I've been washed. I'm clean. No more guilt, no more shame, no more sin. I'm forgiven. It's a beautiful picture. And because we're in Christ, that's how he sees us. And you guys know even when we return with Christ one day, there, Megiddo, Armageddon, he's going to come back on a horse and we're going to come back on horses with him. What are we going to be wearing? White garments, pretty rad, huh? So, anyways, I think that's so cool. But again, this is talking spiritually, right? Gold refined in the fire. It's to be enriched spiritually. These white garments, it's not our physical clothing, guys. It's speaking to us spiritually. And then this I self, this is a spiritual concept, right? Jesus alone can open our eyes to see the things that really are. He's the one who opens our eyes. It's Jesus. Do you have eyes to see? Yes or no? Because there are many who are spiritually blind. I think the apostle Paul, right? He had an encounter with Jesus and there were scales that were put over his eyes. He literally was blind. He could not see. He was a very religious dude who hated Jesus and people who followed Jesus to the point he was going out to arrest them to have them imprisoned or killed. And Jesus met with him and the guy was blind. But wasn't it Jesus who was able to remove those scales? Yeah. And isn't that what happens when you come to know Jesus? Isn't that just the most trippiest thing when you get born again? It's just like, okay, I've been taught my whole life to think this way. I've been brainwashed in school to believe these things. And now I've repented and I believe upon you, Jesus. And you get born again of the Spirit of God and like, your eyes are open. And you're just like, what is going on? What was I thinking? It's just like God begins to download by His Spirit what is truth. The anointing of the Holy Spirit teaches you what is right, what is true. And you're just like, what is going on? I remember when I got baptized in the Spirit when I was 18. You guys know my testimony. I couldn't read. Now I could start to read and I couldn't put the Bible down. But shortly after that, what weighed so heavily upon my heart was why all of these world religions, why can't they see that Jesus is God that he is the savior of the world, that he died for them, that they could be forgiven and have eternal life. And I started to dig into Hinduism. 
and wanted to understand Buddhism. What's Islam? Two billion of these believers in the world who follow this God, Allah. It's obviously not the God of the Bible. The Holy Spirit opened my eyes. Radically different gods. It's not all the same. There's only one way, and I wanted to understand why people believe what they believe. And there are many reasons, but the underlining one common denominator in all of it, people are spiritually blind. That's all it is. And every religion in the world, because of that spiritual blindness, are putting their hope in themselves. That's one thing that I found in studying all these religions. Everyone has their different takes, different beliefs, but they all have to do something themselves in order to be right and to make it onto heaven, nirvana, whatever, afterlife they believe in. They have to work for it. And then there's the truth. There can only be one truth. And the truth of the gospel of biblical Christianity is you can't do it. That's why God himself humbled himself to become a man. He had to come and do what you and I couldn't. He paid for our sins, guys. He laid down his life as a perfect sacrifice that we may have life if we would receive that gift. You guys understand him dying on the cross was a gift. God so loved the world that he gave his only God. That was a gift, brother and sister. That's a gift that we get to share with this world. And hopefully in presenting the gospel, because we're not ashamed of it, because it is the power of God unto salvation. Hopefully in preaching the word of God, preaching the gospel, people's eyes will be opened to, whoa, this is right. This is spiritual truth. I haven't heard this before because all I've ever heard is I have to do it myself. I have to be a good enough person. But this is right because I know me. I know I'm a sinner. And if there is a God, I know he's perfect. He's holy. He's powerful. He's made all of this. And if this God was willing to do this for me, obviously I better receive it, this gift. If he says this is the only way, I better believe that. I wish people cared about truth. I think people care more about being right than truth. So we, we even do that in the church. We're guilty of it, guys. We need to humble ourselves. There's only one who's right. It's Jesus. It's him. That's why I preach him and not other things. It's him, guys. So don't be lukewarm. The Laodicean church here, Jesus had no you know, commendation for them. Um, counsel. Did you guys see that? This is my advice, my counsel for you okay so there is other counsel that we are receiving that's contrary to biblical truth right we have the world the flesh and the devil man and how easily do we believe what the world is saying what the devil has to say man do you ever doubt your faith you ever doubt your faith I do. It's very rare. As a younger man, I doubted it a lot more. But that's something that I think is really good. 
Let me ask you this question. If there wasn't doubt, would our faith be genuine? There has to be doubt in order for our faith to be real. And I love it, guys, because in the doubts, you know who's been faithful to speak truth and show me what's right? God every time. There's things I just don't get. There's questions I've had. But if you seek me, you're going to find me. And he has answers for us, guys. All the things that pertain to life and godliness, it's in Christ Jesus. He has those answers. I've had some pretty smart, they're foolish. Guys guys know that the Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. Well, there's these atheists who believe in miracles. I mean, to be an atheist, you have to believe in some crazy miracles. Nothing blew up from one of them. Anyways, we are not talking about them. I mean, it's just stupid. But a fool says there's no God. And there's some people who are very wise in the eyes of this world, okay? I have my doctorate. I have my master's. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a professor. And they say there's no God. You know? And it breaks my heart. Because there's answers. And there's debates I've watched. There's conversations I've had that have casted some doubt. I've never even thought about that before. But you know what's really cool? You start looking into those things, guess what you find? Truth. There's answers. And it's fun. Because you go back and you share your answer. And they're like, oh, I've never heard that. Never thought of that before. And they move on to their next reason for being blind to God. Instead of, wait a minute. Let's go back. This is the truth. This is factual. This is the science that you're placing your hope in. It actually confirms the Bible. Let's deal with that. Let's stop making excuses and just deal with the facts. But that would mean I'd have to acknowledge there's a God. And if I acknowledge there's a God, then I have to be responsible for something. And I want to continue to live in my sin. That's all it is, guys. That's why people don't come to the gospel, to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the light of the world, but the world hates the light. And that's why the world's telling us lies. Because who's the God of this age? It's Satan. You know? He's telling us what to think, what to believe. That's why I told you before, I don't watch the news too often. There's an agenda there. It's gross. You know? I'd love to really know what's going on. But everything's so twisted. Some of the news I take in is actually world news, other countries, because they're not as biased (laughs) as we are. But there's an agenda there. There's an agenda. This is what you need to believe is right. Well, we're teaching our kids that you're just animals. Therefore, because we are animals, we're going to act like it's survival of the fittest, and I'm just going to take what I want. I don't care if other people need it. I mean, that's what we're taught. That's why we're doing what we're doing. But think about it, guys. Satan is good at lying. He's the father of lies. What combats lies? It's going to be truth. And if Jesus declares that his word is truth, what do you think we need to know? His word. Sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. Right? John 17, 17. John 8, 32. The truth's going to set you free. So if the world, the left agenda media that's out there, oh man, I don't like talking about stuff politically, but 
Pelosi really ticked me off. Did you guys see she tried to pass a bill with this whole Corona? Like, I'm glad our government is there to take care of us. Like, that is their job to watch out for the people. And I'm so thankful they are addressing things and they're trying to be wise and do what's right. I think that's cool. But you try to slip in an abortion bill with a bill for the coronavirus, that is sick and twisted. But that's the lies of this world and that's Satan at work, guys. Again, where is truth? That's why we need to know the truth, guys. So, I could go on. We go back. This advice from Jesus is what we need. Okay, There are other counselors, but we need Jesus. Okay, Verse 14. But Jesus is the what? Amen? Right? He's the truth plus certainty. Firm plus fixed. That's our Jesus. He's never changing. He ain't going to say one thing today and something different tomorrow. Truth is truth. Period. Right? And Jesus is the truth. And the faithful and true witness. Wow. He's going to tell the truth. He's not going to keep it to himself. Right? And the source of all things. He knows ultimate truth. And he is the one who loves you. Did you guys catch that? He loves you. And that's why we need to know the truth. And we need to know him who loves us. Why? Because I think when we're loving him back rightly and loving our neighbor as ourselves, we're going to be able to speak the truth in a way that will actually have an impact on the spiritually blind world. Okay? Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Because he loves us, he tells the truth, and he calls us out. Don't you guys? I'm thankful he's been calling us out in these letters. Very thankful for that. We need that. Okay? And again, if you've been in Christ and you're actually maturing in him, you like being called out. Okay? You like that conviction. That's why I love brothers that I look to who have been seasoned in the Lord, who are teaching the word of God. I love listening to them, praying with them, receiving counsel from them, because I know they're going to give me it as it is, in truth, and I know they're doing it out of a place of love. And it's easy for me to come under them and to receive that counsel from them. You see, if we miss his motive here, what Jesus is laying down of his love, we're going to miss everything. And a lot of us don't grasp that we really are loved by God. There's some of you who are still trying to earn God's love. I know I have areas in my life I got to get right and fix for you to love me more. That is so backwards, guys. He just loves us. If you're in Christ, you are his kid. He's a perfect dad who loves you perfectly. Do you know that? Don't try to earn it. We can't earn it. There's a healthy response from that love because you love me, Father. I fear that I'm going to do something that hurts you. I fear I'm not going to heed your counsel. I'm going to keep being self-destructive, beating myself up, believing lies. That's where we respond back to him. Okay. I know you love me. I know you love me. And because I love you back, that's why we do what we do, guys. 
It's not because we're trying to earn something more from him. It's just a response to our relationship. That's why I love his word, his love letter. You guys know this little love letter? I love it. And I did Numbers chapter 5 to 8 with the men on Thursday morning. That's pretty rough. Rough scripture there, pastor. Are you guys really just going verse by verse through Numbers? Yeah. But I honestly felt so loved by God going through those hard verses. A lot of repetitive stuff. But man, the amount of sacrifices that were to be made, the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sin, it just kept reminding me of how much God loved me, that he was willing to lay down his own life. Because of my sin, my mistakes, he didn't even have nothing to do with it. It was me, and he still loved me, guys. That's why the word of God is so good. So, we must continually be reminding ourselves of the gospel and its truths. Okay? We're horrifically bad, and he is wonderfully good. Okay? And because he's wonderfully good, we are wonderfully loved. That's the gospel, guys. You bad, him good. Because he's good, he loves you. <laughs> I love it. So our ongoing need for Christ, if we are not reminded of our constant ongoing need of the gospel, if we do not feel that Jesus is our greatest need, then our needs will be or seem to be more urgent or more immediate, more significant or more relevant. Okay. But you don't understand what's going on. This thing is very real. It could spread very quick. Tens and tens of millions of people can die. Well, everyone's going to die. Jesus is what's needed. Some brothers and sisters, I wish they were as concerned about the gospel as they are about this virus. To be very honest. And again, that's kind of judgmental. No. It's mission with Jesus. If we are in relationship with him, we are linked to his mission, whether we like it or not. I see these things going on, and I'm not ignorant of them. You guys have gotten you know, letters from us. You know there's a lot of our brothers and sisters that aren't here this morning. We love people. Of course, we don't want anybody to get sick. We want to use wisdom. But there are people who are dying who have a disease right now, and where's the panic about that? Where's the concern about that? Where's the hours of research and sharing our posts about that? Again, it's your perspective. Eternal, temporal. Yeah, temporal things matter. But the thing that most matters, eternal. And if Jesus is number one, if we're looking to him as our greatest need, then everything else is going to be filtered through that. If we think our needs are something else, it's going to be filtered through wiping your butt. Honestly. So, if we are not careful, if we're not consciously opposed that the growing significance of these felt needs, which are very real false needs, we will find the world and its agenda is what is most relevant to us. So God and the gospel and the kingdom they become irrelevant. Lukewarm. Would that be a good word to use, maybe? Become lukewarm. Spewed out. Worthless. Yuck. 
I want to conclude our time with a few questions that I found in a commentary. Um, and they, they're, they're four significant questions, I think, in light of this passage. Number one, what shapes your thinking? The world or the Bible? Quick questions. The world or the Bible? Number two, what communication do you view as most important? Horizontal with others or vertical with God? What's most important? I don't know. I've probably hung up on a few of you guys. You've called me. Pastor, you will never guess what's going on. Did you know? Hold on. Have you talked to God about this? No. Click. You need to talk to the Lord. He's number one, guys. What does he think? What does he say? Once you talk to him, I'd love to talk with you. Number three, what do you trust? Money or Jesus? Money or Jesus? But bro, have you seen the stocks? Haven't been this bad since 08. I don't know. I don't care. I'm filthy rich. I have Jesus. He's promised to take care of me. Here's about sparrows. Here's about me. Think about it. What do we care about? We can trip over the littlest things, guys. Do we trust in our money? That's my retirement. I got enough banked that if I do get sick, we can pay for it, hopefully get fixed. Anyways. And the fourth one, with what do you ultimately identify? A political party? Or the kingdom of God? What do you identify? Two steps to overcoming complacency, guys. Look at verse 19. This word repent is super cool. Aorist tense here, which means in the Greek, it was done. Once. Repent. Once. Irrevocable. It's something you did. It's finished. It's done. You repented. Finished. And then secondly, be zealous. That's in the present tense, which means to continue always to be zealous because we repented and believed on Jesus Christ. That's done. We're born again. Our salvation sealed in him. Now we be zealous. Not just when we get saved. We are zealous to the day we go home to be with him, guys. To the day we die. Even at a funeral. I'm hoping funerals preach Jesus after we're gone. That's not all about us. Oh, they died. Oh, man. Jesus, they're with Jesus. They live for Jesus. Other people know Jesus because of them. That's so cool. So, fires, they have to be stoked. And cool waters have to be kept intentionally, right? Proverbs 4.23, watch over the heart with all diligence. For from its spring or flow the issues of life, right? So how do we stay in a place of being zealous for the Lord? Think about that. How do we do that? If we're commanded to do it, how are we going to do it? Be in the word of God. Have those daily devotions. man. Don't forsake the assembling together. Allow fellowship. Stir yourselves up. Be in prayer. Pray always with all prayers. So keep, guys, the door continually open to him who loves 
us. There is that intimacy. Okay? Keep that door open. Commune with your heavenly Father. Do life with Him. And then verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Think about that, dining with Jesus. It's one of my favorite things to do is to go out and eat. You know, it's just fun being with the family where I don't have to cook or do the dishes. It's it's a wonderful thing, right? But this word, daipanan, uh, in the Greek for dine, it's a really cool because it refers to a specific evening meal. Last one of the day, work is done. Okay, Big meal for our family at night. The main meal of the day, and people would lingle, linger over it. They just lingered. Hey, we're having a meal. It's not rush, eat, and move on to our next thing. This is it for the evening. We're just going to... And think about that. What keeps you from lingering with Jesus? He's knocking at the door. He wants to come in. He wants to come in to linger with you. But you don't know how good this Netflix show is right now. I need to, I've been guilty of it, guys. I just want to binge it. And then it's just like, huh, I'm feeling a little disconnected with the Lord. What's going on? Have I been lingering with him? Have I been making that time? What keeps him locked outside of your heart? But you don't understand, Pastor. She's really cute. I can't, I can't get her off the brain. What keeps him locked out from your heart? What's taking that place in your heart over him? What forces its way in? You guys know the Romans had forced their way in there to the Laodiceans. Oh boy, bow down to Caesar. Okay. The empire has come. Got to do what they say. Where and how do you allow Jesus to linger with you? That's the big question. So if we allow Christ to sit at our table, he will allow us to sit with him on his throne. Did you guys catch that? Look at verse 21. I'm not making this up. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Aren't you guys glad that we have these words, these letters of Jesus's to study? My prayer is that you guys will visit these two chapters on a regular basis in your walk with him. And that we would share these letters with others. It's for the churches. There's many churches that think Revelation's not for today. We won't even bother with it. And these are needed for the church to hear today because it brings everything back into perspective. It gives us clarity to what matters. And that is Jesus, guys. It's all about him. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up at this time and the rest of you to stand to your feet. And we're going to close with a song that I was ministered too much by, in my younger days, it's called Refiner's Fire. In light of this message, I think it is a good one for us to close our time with. I'll come back. I'll just stand up here. All right.
heart. Let me be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. Your gold refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be for your will to be done Lord, on earth as it is in heaven we know your ways are so good we know that you're the answer Jesus we thank you that you knock on doors on doors of our hearts Lord and if anyone will open up that you will come in and dine with them Lord there's so many people that need relationship with you for whatever reason they've been closed to you God open their eyes that they may see their need of you 
Give us place and boldness to speak the gospel to them, Lord. Father, we thank you. You are on the throne, that you are sovereign. God, even amidst just a lot of anxiety and worries that people are carrying in light of this virus, we would ask for your peace, that our minds would be stayed upon you. God, we look so forward to the day in which you will return. You are that Prince of Peace. I know it's something we desire, we want in this world. Father, until you're ruling and reigning here, God, we're going to continue to see some crazy stuff. But you told us our hearts should not be troubled in light of it all. So we do want to keep trusting and looking to you, Father. And we do ask for wisdom, too. Lord, we want to know how to navigate through uh, just this coronavirus, Lord, and how we are good stewards of what you've given us, how to love our neighbors through it. God, we pray for the pantry. I know that's going to look a lot different, but we still want to be able to uh, meet the need, Father, especially in this time where there's probably going to be greater need. We'd ask for the laborers, Father, that you'd bring in uh, the volunteers uh, that are needed for that to happen. More than anything, we give thanks. Jesus, you're our rock. You're our everything, Father. You're that solid, firm foundation that we're able to stand upon. I thank you that it's not sifting sand, that we're not being tossed to and fro. God, thank you that you are our anchor, that you are there for us, Jesus, guiding us into all truth, that you've anointed us with your Holy Spirit, that we can know the truth. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for this time this morning, for this time of fellowship and gathering. Pray you bless these brothers and sisters of mine here and those who have been watching online, Father. Be with them this week, God. Lord, help us to look to you, to lift our eyes to you, Jesus. Moment by moment, we ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Love you guys. Youth group tonight at 530, right guys? You got something to say? Yeah, if anybody needs prayer, you can come pray too.